Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for rescuing us. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you, Lord, for making us your children. For splitting the sea so we could walk right through it, be delivered, be saved. From all that oppressed and enslaved us, and help us not to go back to that. Help us not to be afraid, not to be, help us not to live in fear, but to live in a recognition that you love us. You saved us and you have everything you want to provide for us. Help us to follow you. We want to recognize who we are and who you are. You are able, Lord. You are able. Thank you, Lord. Whatever we're bringing today, whatever our week was full of, you are able for that. Whatever relationship issues, whatever financial issues, whatever spiritual issues, whatever job issues, you are able for everything that's happening. You are the creator and the lover of us, our Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hello, everybody. I'm, uh, pastor Andrew, associate pastor here. And uh, this morning I get the privilege of bringing the message. I'm going to let Pastor Steve take a little break. Uh, we're going to start off with a little question. If you could have the first slide up there. Uh, first question is this. Uh, get us ready for our message today. What is better than Jesus being here with us? Oh, found it. Awesome. Yay. What's better than Jesus being here with us? Now, the Bible says something is better. Um, I'm going to just read from uh, John chapter 16, verses 5 through 7. This is, these are Jesus' words. He says, But now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very tr truly, I tell you, it is to your advantage that I go away. That's interesting because I, I, I don't know about you, but I've often thought over the years, if I had just been physically present with Jesus, if I had gotten to hang out with him, if I'd gotten to hear his words with my own ears, if I'd gotten to see the miracles with my own eyes, if I had gotten to actually maybe even be a recipient of of one of those miracles, Jesus laying his hand on me and healing me in some way. I, I've often thought if I'd gotten those experiences, my faith would be so much stronger. My, my obedience would be so much more steady and consistent. Uh, has anyone ever else ever thought that before? If I'd just gotten to like be there with Jesus, I would have such a stronger faith. And yet here's Jesus saying, it's actually to your advantage that I go away. So what's that about? What is that about? Well, uh, if you could take out from your bulletin, you've got this bright or, or yellow sheet here, and I want it to draw your attention to this. We are starting, Pastor Ben referenced this briefly, but we are starting a special season dedicated to prayer and to seeking God. We're calling it SIP, and... Um, uh, SIP stands, the S stands for spirit, the I stands for impartation, and the P stands for prayer. And to help us understand what this is, um, uh, Stephen Lewis, could you come on up? 
some time ago, um, I had been uh, praying, and uh, Stephen Lutz called me up as an answer to my prayer, I believe, uh, with an idea. And that idea, as we've been thinking and praying and planning, is starting to, to, to come together. So um, Stephen here uh, heads up our ministry to children with special needs. He's doing a fantastic job at it. Uh, it does that, among many other things. And um, so, Stephen, could you tell us a little bit more about this? Sure. Um, so Andrew asked me to kind of share two things today. One is kind of my personal journey or just kind of experience with prayer and my kind of testimony of what prayer has meant to me. Um, and then the second is to just kind of explain SIP and what's going on and what's happening. And, and to me, they kind of they flow together. Um, so I'm going to start with my, with my story. So I grew up... Um, so again, I'm Stephen Lutz. That's my wife, Shelly. Um, we have a daughter, Greta, who likes to run around with flags in the front. You may recognize her. Um, and we've been coming here about five years. And so my, I grew up in a Lutheran, uh, church. My grandpa was a Lutheran pastor. My, my family, we believed in God and, and our faith was real, but there wasn't a lot of spirit and prayer going on. Prayer was, you know, something you said before meals, sometimes before bedtime, and then like the Lord's prayer on Sunday and, and so that was my experience of prayer. And the Holy Spirit was part of the Trinity, but that was about it. And in high school, I learned a little more, and in college, a little more. But then we, my, Shelly and I moved to Kansas City right after we got married and graduated college. And we were at a church that was um, really into prayer and the Spirit. And we, you know, like, we were kind of like, what, what is this? You know, and, and I, Shelly had a little more experience, but I, I remember that the first time we had a prayer week. And we signed up for an hour slot to go into a prayer room. And I'm like, I, what do pray for an hour? Like that sounds pretty intense. Like I can't even concentrate on anything for an hour. So, but all of a sudden we were 45 minutes in and I looked at, looked at the clock and I was like, Oh wow. Like that felt like 10 minutes because it's just a place that had set up how we pray. Like, and, and it was just, it was so conducive to prayer in this room. And, and so we grew and we grew and, um, you know, we both had really intense jobs when we were in Kansas City. Um, just could, like, there were so many mornings we'd wake up and we would sit at the breakfast table and just pray, God, we can't today. Spirit, you need to live, you need to work through us. And those days that we were just at the end of ourselves were the days that incredible things happened with the children we were working with. Um, and so, and, and just the the way, the way I've had it explained is that prayer and the Spirit are completely intertwined. The Spirit is our conduit to the Lord. Um, when, when we pray, the Spirit prays for us. The Spirit is the one who is in the presence of the Father and, and in us at the same time. And that's crazy to think about. But, you know, um, and, and so prayer brings the Spirit to us in a new way. And, um, yeah, and so since then we haven't always kept that connection to prayer so close, but in Lent, Shelly and I said, no, like we want to get back there to that prayer, to that, that connection with the spirit. And, and we prayed twice a week at, you know, together and we were doing things on our own. And, and in the middle of this, the Lord it kind of highlighted, like we've been here at Bethel for five years and there hasn't been a time of prayer. Um, that's was focused and intense. And there's never been a teaching on the prayer or the spirit, like from a sermon or a sermon series or any, like, in a, in a full way. And, um, you know, I was a little nervous to write pastor Andrew and pastor Steve and say, Hey, like I have this idea because I don't think this has happened in five years. And, you know, because like all of a sudden he's like, you know, people can get defensive. Be like, well, 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 what we have and, you know, but I, when I emailed him, his, his immediate response was, 
this is an answer to prayer. And that was a confirmation of, yes, like, Lord, I do hear you, and, and reminding myself of, yes, that, that connection with the Spirit is there. And so it's, it's evolved and transformed a little bit. Um, but, but really, the, the, three, the three things we want to focus on is, is the Spirit, the, imparta- uh, the impartation, and prayer. Um, and so Spirit... And prayer I've talked a little bit about, but the impartation was, was, a, was a separate part where I realized that it felt like there was a divide in the church. Not in a, I don't know, sometimes that word is, is bad, and it's not great, but like it wasn't a bad divide. But it was just, we have so many older people in this church who are so faithful in prayer that, that, this, that this church is like truly built upon their prayers. Um, and yet there's a generation of people who are coming into the church who aren't here because this church has been a Pentecost, was kind of founded in the Pentecostal um, tradition. They don't really know what this, you know, they haven't had true experience with the spirit or in prayer. And that's beautiful that people are coming because of that. But there's then this gap that's missing of like, how, how do we keep those prayers going? How do we impart? So that's the I impartation, what this older generation has been doing to the younger, to the next generation um, which is my, you know, includes my age. Like, how, how do we take up this banner? Because, you know, these faithful people won't be here forever. And, and so how do we keep that going? Um, so those are kind of the three things, the spirit impartation prayer. And so how we're going to do this, and Andrew will talk a little bit more. I'm just going to kind of give a brief thing, is that for 10 days, and Andrew will tell us why it's 10 days, um, we're going to have just, we're, we're going to focus on prayer. And we're going to, the, the prayer room will be transformed um, into stations where you can experience different types of prayer. Every, night, every day there will be at least one corporate gathering of prayer where we will ask people who have been doing this to impart upon us in a new way, a new type of prayer, a new style of prayer, um, a new way to connect with the Lord. And um, then at the end of these 10 days, so from Friday at 6 p.m. to Sunday morning at 10 a.m., we are going to have a time of continuous prayer, 24 hours um, we're going to ask people to sign up for these prayer slots and come. So that means we're going to need people to come at three in the morning. Um, and so, yes. So I'll get back to that in a second. But the other, the other meaning of sip is, you know, as I was thinking about like what we, you know, sometimes I think like in church, you think like, oh, wow, these things must just like, you know, when, when there's a name like sip, you're like, oh, this is incredible. Like someone must've just, the Lord must've just given this. And I mean, he did, but like, we also had this chain of emails going back and forth. Like, what do we call this thing? Like, we can't call it the 10 days of prayer to increase our knowledge of the spirit and prayer and imparting for the new generation. <laughs> like that doesn't work. Right. So like, anyway, so as, so the Lord gave me, you know, so the Lord kind of gave me the sip idea. And as I thought about it more, I realized like sipping, when you know something you're about to drink, you gulp, you drink it, right? Like water. I know water from my tap is going to taste the same. So I just take it and I drink it. But if I am at someone's house and they say, here, try this new juice, I just kind of, hmm, I sip it (laughs) because it's new. Like, I don't quite know what's coming, right? And so, like, the sip is also this idea that, like, we're not asking you to, like, if you've never prayed before, we're not asking you to, like, sign up for 3 a.m. slot to pray in in the 40 hours of continuous prayer. In fact, I'd ask you probably not to because... You, what we want you to do is sip a new type of prayer, to be taught by someone, to be imparted to how do you pray. Um, so for you, a sip might be looking at this list and seeing, hmm, I'm kind of a, a thoughtful person. Contemplative prayer, that sounds like something I might really like. So I, that would be come, on, come to the contemplative prayer time. 
Someone else might be like, okay, I've been, I've been learning intercessory prayer, and I've been intercessing for a long time, but like, huh, I wonder what this, um, I don't know, like a, a child-led prayer, like Jesus tells us to be childlike. I want to kind of, I don't know, I want to renew that part of my faith, or whatever it might be. Like that might be your sip, is to try a new type of prayer. Your sip might be um, fasting. We're going to talk about that a little bit next week, but there's going to be a fasting element to this. So your sip might be like, yep, I'm praying, now I want to fast. Your sip might be... Um, to sign up for, for prayer slots throughout this time because you have been praying and you think you have something to impart. So you come and, and um, are in the room and other people come and like you can show them how you pray, what you know of the Spirit and how to pray. Um, so, yeah, um, Andrew's going to say more, but I, that's, you know, this is just, um, you know, this is, this is, I just kind of wanted to give the vision because, you know, not because I'm special to the Lord give this me, but because I was praying and I was asking and, and, you know, I mean, the Lord wants willing servants. And, um, you know, the, the scripture says like you do not have because you do not ask. And so we are asking the Lord to increase our knowledge of spirit and the mutual, increase our knowledge of prayer. Um, one thing I just also did want to say is that sometimes people use the spirit's name in, in ways that hurt. And some of you may have been hurt by people using the Spirit's name. They weren't using the Holy Spirit. Like, that, that's, but so we want to, and maybe your sip is to step back into this because it's painful and there may be pain and, and we want to just, uh, we want to repent of the hurts that, this, that the church has maybe used, um, has committed in the, name of the, in the name of the Spirit, but not in the true Spirit. And so we would ask you to sip by stepping back and, and seeing what the Spirit does look like. Um, So thank you. I hope you come. I hope you pray. There is so many opportunities to to do this, to try this yourself, to join a group, to come to a corporate gathering, but please come. Sip. Amen. Amen. So thank you so much, uh, Stephen. Uh, So on the the one side with a bunch of words, you'll see there's a little calendar there. Our prayer room back here is going to be open uh, during the day uh, for all these 10 days, and you can come in, you can sign up. Uh, you can just sh- you don't have to sign up. Uh, you can just show up, but there is something about signing up that makes sure it's in your calendar. It, uh, then you know you're expected. It, it's a way to, of committing yourself, so it's a helpful thing to sign up. And, and you'll get a reminder email if you, if you sign up. Uh, Shelly Lutz, if you could just stand up real quick. Um, Shelly here, that's Stephen's wife. Uh, stay, stay standing, Shelly. Um, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> Shelly is going to have, a, if, if you want to f- uh, physically sign up, she's going to be in the lobby at the end of the service, and you can do that. Um, thank you, Shelly. Uh, uh, tomorrow, we are going to send out a, a link. Um, it'll, the link will also be on our website. Uh, um, and you can use that link to uh, um, sign up. Uh, electronically, uh, either or both of those is fine. You can sign up as much as you want. You can come as much as you want. You can come as little as you want. And then in addition, what this calendar says is on certain times of each day, we're going to have large corporate gatherings. You don't need to sign up for those. Just show up. And, uh, and each time we get together, we're going to talk about a different kind of prayer. There's all kinds of different prayers and uh, different ways of praying and some, you'll connect with some more than others. Uh, but either way, um, I, keep this little calendar. We'll publish it again next week. 
uh, so you can you can use this and uh, help you decide when you're going to come for prayer, when you're going to take a sip. So, so to help us understand this whole ten days of prayer, I want to go back to uh, the question I had. Uh, th- th- this little sermon series that we're we've got we got three. We're taking a little break from Exodus. A uh, little break. We're, we are going to get back to Exodus, find out what happens to the Israelites in the wilderness uh, after they escaped from uh, after they escaped from Egypt. Uh, but before we do that, we're taking three weeks, actually four weeks, uh, that we're setting aside uh, uh, for this month, and uh, we're going to talk. Uh, the, the The sermon series is called Pentecost and Beyond, and I'm going to explain today why it is why it's called that. Uh, to do that, though, I would need to go back to this question I had before: What is better? than Jesus being here with us. Like I was saying earlier, I've often thought my faith would be so much stronger, my obedience would be so much more consistent if I had been physically present with Jesus and heard his words and, and actually maybe felt his touch and seen him touch other people. But Jesus says it's to our advantage that he goes away. Well, let's read a little more of that passage that I started reading It's in uh, John chapter 16, verse 7. This is what Jesus says. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who's who's the helper? The Holy Spirit. Some translations have the word advocate here. It means he's the one who comes alongside us and stands with us and advocates for us on our behalf. Um, there's uh, several other translations, but uh, the helper is the Holy Spirit. And so what Jesus is referring to is that when he left earth, after he rose from the dead, he was hung out with his disciples for 40 days, and at, at the end of those 40 days, he ascended into heaven, and he said, wait there uh, for this gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit came and replaced Jesus. Jesus uh, we, we've talked about this in the past. There is a trinity. God is a trinity of persons. God the Father, God the Son, uh, that's Jesus, God the Son, and then there's God the Holy Spirit. And uh, when God the Son left, he was replaced by God the Holy Spirit. God, so the Holy Spirit is actually with us. And, and why was that better than having Jesus physically here among us? What is better about that? So to understand that a little bit better, if you could turn with me to Acts chapter 1. We're going we're gonna to get into Acts chapter 1 here. Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus says some interesting... These are some of the last words of Jesus. This is, this is right before he ascends into heaven. This is those... uh, within those 40 days that he was hanging out with his disciples after he'd been resurrected. In Acts chapter 1, in verse 4, it says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay. If we... Oh, did it go away? Did it disappear? Okay, no problem. Um, So, uh, wait for the gift that the Father 
promised. Well, what did Jesus mean by that? In verse 5, he connects it to this phrase, being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Hmm, what is that? Well, before we talk about what that is, I want to talk, I want to skip ahead to the, a little later in the chapter, to verse 14, and I want to, let's take a look at the response of these disciples. It says that they join, they all join together constantly in prayer. Okay, do you see the connection? Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit, wait for the gift, and in response, what they did to obey this command is they prayed. Okay, so prayer is, there's a lot of ways we could define prayer, a lot of things we could say about prayer, but at its most fundamental, prayer is waiting for God. When we pray, we are waiting for God with expectation. Prayer is the act of turning towards God, opening our hands towards him, in expectation that he's going to be the generous God that he says he is. It's the act of turning, resolutely turning our gaze upon him with expectation. That's at the most basic level. That's what prayer is. Prayer is waiting on God with expectation. Open hands, open heart, looking to him. So that's basically what prayer is. Uh, Well, what were they supposed to wait for? Uh, Verse 4 says they were supposed to wait for the gift. They were supposed to wait for the gift. And Jesus is connecting this with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He says it's in contrast to the baptism John the the Baptist gave. That was a physical baptism that symbolized uh, people's repentance, turning from dead works, turning to the living God. uh, And they uh, went down in the water to symbolize their their death to self. And they came up to symbolize their resurrection. Um, That was a, a physical baptism. We still do that. Jesus commanded us to do that. But here Jesus is referring to something else called this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, what is it? Um, the, uh, <clears throat> let's look at verse 8 here in the same, um, the same passage. Verse 8. This is what uh, it says about um, verse 8. Um, actually, I'm going to go back to verse 6 a little bit. It says, Then they gathered around him, Uh, And by the way, they isn't just the 12 disciples. There's actually about 120 disciples at this point. Uh, Remember that there were the 12 disciples, but then there were uh, at least 72 Jesus sent out uh, in in pairs in ministry at one point. Uh, Then there's also, there were a whole group of uh, women who were helping to support his ministry. Uh, So there was a a total of 120 of these disciples uh, uh, who were all gathered around Jesus at this time and had been hanging out with him for these 40 days. Um, And so here, some of the last words of Jesus in verse six, they say, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I I, I think that's interesting. Uh, Christians have always been wondering about the timing of the restoration of the kingdom. Here's Jesus's response in verse seven. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. I, I think that's interesting. We're always sort of grasping for little hints and clues. When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And Jesus says, you know what? It's not for you to know. 
Okay? You don't get to know. Sorry. But verse 8, he says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Earth. Verse 9, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. So interesting. So Jesus now is clarifying what this gift is, what this baptism of the Holy Spirit is all about. And what he's saying is that it's about receiving power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. And, and why? What's the point of receiving the power? According to this, it's to be his witnesses. Now, if, if anyone's ever been involved in uh, some kind of legal dispute where witnesses were called, you, you probably realize that anyone who's going to be a witness needs power. And what I mean by that is, if you're a witness, that means there's... Pro- <clears throat> if, 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 you're, if you have to go to court and you have to be a witness, that means there's a whole version of events up opposite to your version of events. Does that make sense? And... Most people are believing the other version of events. That's why they need witnesses. And the witnesses have to come forward, and they somehow have to find a voice where they speak clearly enough and articulately enough and powerfully enough to convince people, persuade people, to stop believing this current version of events and to believe something different than they were believing before. Does that make sense? That takes some kind of power to break through people's alternate beliefs. Okay, you guys following me on that one? All right. So in the same way as the disciples were spreading out all over the world, starting at this point on, they were going to be encountering all sorts of obstacles, all sorts of alternate belief systems, all sorts of alternate ways of viewing reality. And they needed supernatural power to bust through those false beliefs. Does that make sense? They needed something strong, something powerful that was going to convince and persuade people to follow the living God. Convince and persuade people that this crazy thing called the resurrection actually happened in physical time and space. It's not just a neat, inspiring idea. It actually happened. They needed power to demonstrate that this was a reality. And in fact, that this reality was more real than whatever other reality people had been experiencing. Okay? You guys following me with that? So we need, uh, so, so any witness needs power. It's courage, a voice, uh, some kind of uh, confidence that when they speak, other people are going to listen. Um, uh, and, and, and think of all the barriers, the early disciples and, and us, that we continue to face all the barriers to the gospel, the good news being spread, all right? Think of, first of all, the, the cultural uh, barriers. Um, the, uh, the cultural barriers, just those alone, um, they're different languages that uh, we don't know, we don't speak, and how are people going to understand when we don't even speak the same language? Well, what happened, one of the things that happened on the day of Pentecost, just a chapter later, was when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples like Jesus promised, some of them started speaking in languages they hadn't been taught. Real languages that, and, and it just so happened because it was the Feast of Pentecost. The Pentecost is this old Jewish feast 
uh, that had been around for centuries in which they celebrated the first fruits of the harvest. So there there were Jews gathered from all over the world, uh, all over the known world at the time there, and those people heard the gospel proclaimed, the good news about the kingdom of God proclaimed in their own language. All right? That turned around and reversed and overcame that tragedy of Babel. We all know the story of Babel. Many, many years before this, early on, uh, all the people had wanted to be one people, and uh, God saw they were, they were trying to unite themselves uh, through pride, and so God came and scattered, their lang- scattered them by confusing their languages. Uh, that's why we have all these different languages. Uh, and on the day of Pentecost, all of that was reversed. So that's, that's an example of the power that came upon the church that day to overcome some of the barriers to hearing the gospel. Um, there's also spiritual barriers uh, that we face. Uh, the Bible talks about powers and principalities. These are invisible um, institutions and spirits that, that set themselves up against the knowledge of God um, and uh, affect not just us personally and privately, but also affect whole institutions and whole nations. And, uh, and Scripture talks about how those powers are defeated by what Jesus did on the cross. There's also internal barriers to each one of us, aren't there? The Bible talks about uh, a spiritual deafness. Uh, even if your ears physically work just fine, there's a spiritual deafness that uh, all of us are really born into where it doesn't matter how articulate and well the speaker is, we won't be able to hear the truth. Uh, the Bible also talks about spiritual blindness. So even if the truth is directly in front of your face, you are not going to see it. You're not going to recognize it's there. Um, that, that's hap- that happened a lot to Jesus himself, okay? So don't, don't be discouraged when it happens to you. Um, this, the Bible talks about darkness of mind. That means that even if you're smart, even if you're well-educated, there's a, something in your brain that just won't let you comprehend what this good news is. You just, you just can't, you can't even get your mind around it, no matter how well-educated you are. The Bible talks about this hardness of heart, where even if the gospel is presented in this lovely, attractive way, your heart refuses to receive it. And so to bust through all those barriers, the Bible talks about the power of the Holy Spirit who's able to cure spiritual deafness. He's able to cure spiritual blindness. He's a- able to remove spiritual or the, the darkness of mind. He's able to bust through the hardness of heart. And, and in Ezekiel 36, it even says that as part of the new covenant, he's going to give us a new heart that's not made of stone, but a heart that's made of flesh that's soft and pliable and can actually be touched and moved by God from the inside. So there is a solution to all of these barriers, and the solution is the power that God is going to send it through the Holy Spirit starting on the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit didn't, uh, he, the Holy Spirit started, he, he, he began this on uh, the day of Pentecost almost 2,000 years ago, but that wasn't the end of that. The Holy Spirit continues to enable us to follow God. 
that uh, Ezekiel 36 passage I just mentioned, it talks about how the spirit in us will actually move us to follow God. So all those uh, commands of God that seem impossible, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, it it appears so impossible. The Holy Spirit is actually going to be inside of us to move us to follow him. That's part of what the power is for. Um, The power is for continual strengthening and comfort for those who follow him. Continual strengthening and comfort. Uh, God's even called the God of all comfort. Uh, The Holy Spirit brings what are called gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit. There's a long, long list of of gifts of the Spirit, and it's not even an exhaustive list of all the different ways uh, the Holy Spirit moves through people uh, in order to edify and touch others. Um, uh, and we're going to be talking more about spiritual gifts in, 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 in coming weeks. Uh, but uh, that's one of the things the Holy Spirit does is when he comes among us, he, he releases supernatural gifts that you weren't born with, you, weren't, you didn't train for, you didn't prepare for, uh, but they come through you to bless and build up the church and build up the others and reach out beyond the church into those who don't know him. Um, the Holy Spirit uh, is among us to give us power for good relationships. Power for good relationships. Uh, if left to ourselves, I don't know about you, but I know I would make a mess of my relationships. I would make a mess in one way or another. Either I would be exploiting people, or I would be exploited myself, or I would be controlling people, or I would be manipulating people, or I would be avoiding people, or I would be hiding from people, or I'd be aggressing against people. In some way or another, I would not be able to do relationships with people if the Holy Spirit weren't present in me and wasn't, if the Holy Spirit weren't present in others. So we need that power from the Holy Spirit for all of those things. So truly, it is to our advantage that Jesus left physically, and now the Holy Spirit has come among us. Because the Holy Spirit, when Jesus was here physically, he told us amazing things, he performed amazing miracles, he taught amazing things, but it took the Holy Spirit inside of us to actually follow him. We, we see what happened to the disciples before the Holy Spirit came upon them, and we, even though they were with him physically, day in and day out, even some of them for three and a half years straight, we see how they failed to follow him. But it was when the Holy Spirit came upon them that they were suddenly empowered to actually walk with him. Um, So it is truly to our advantage that Jesus left and the Holy Spirit has come among us. And prayer is how we receive from God. Like I was saying earlier, prayer is waiting upon God. Prayer is looking to God with expectancy. Prayer is coming to God with open hands in a way that, uh, coming to God with open hands, expecting God to be generous like he said he would be. That's basically at its most, most fundamental what prayer is. And so these 10 days of prayer um, uh, for SIP, these 10 days of prayer, we're, what we're doing is we're, we're imitating those original 120 disciples who between Jesus' ascension into heaven and the day of Pentecost, 
They set those 10 days aside and they prayed together constantly. We're imitating them. Now, um, uh, the, the end of these 10 days is May 20th, which is Pentecost Sunday. And we're not redoing Pentecost. There's only one Pentecost in history. Uh, we don't need to do another Pentecost. But here's the thing. Some of us, maybe even many of us, have never entered into the full empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Some have, many of us in the room here have, but many of us have not. Whether it's just because of our age and lack of experience, um, maybe it's because we're a fairly new Christian, maybe kind of our, our background, we've yet to enter into the full empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that we might be his witnesses. And so these 10 days, what we're seeking for in these 10 days is for the full empowerment of the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Now, others of us, may have been empowered in this way, but we haven't cultivated it. We haven't done what Paul says in 2 Timothy, where he says, fan into flame this gift. Stir it up, fan it into flame. Some of us haven't been doing that. Or we've done that for a season and then kind of left off that. Or then we've done it for another season and kind of left off. Others of us just need a refreshing touch of the Holy Spirit. Some of us have been walking deeply with the Lord for a long time, and we just need the Spirit to come and speak to us again, and talk to us and direct our lives and take control. Some of us need that. And others of us have been walking deeply with the Lord for a long time. You've been faithful and you've been receiving his empowerment continually, but you have not yet imparted that gift onto other people. Did you know the reason Jesus didn't take you home the moment you bowed your knee to him was because he left you here on earth to impart something onto other people. You're here not just to keep getting spiritually fat because God just keeps giving, you just keep receiving. You're here to give it away. And some of you have yet to give it away. How many of you who know you're out, your years, your days are numbered, how many of you know that you have yet to pass on this legacy of whatever God's given you? You still have not passed it on. To others. And you know it's time. You know it's time to start imparting to others. So, uh, and, and, and besides all this, um, we are uh, going to, we are, we are called to radiate life and joy as a house of prayer for all nations. So if you're part of this house, whether you're an official member or not, if you're here for any length of season, part of what God is doing in you is he is calling you to be a part of a house that prays, all right? And that's not something we leave up to the pastors, not something we leave up to the elders. That's something everyone in the congregation, from the youngest to the oldest, is called into. And so part of this SIP is rediscovering our call to be a house of prayer for all nations. At this point... Some of you are afraid. Some of you are ashamed. You're feeling like, God, I don't deserve to come into your presence. I'm not worthy. And that's true. You and I are not worthy to come into the presence of God. But <clears throat> Jesus has said that he would take away our shame. I just want to remind us of a few basic truths 
in the book of Hebrews chapter 9, this is what the author says. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? Did you know no matter where you've been, no matter how much you've wandered away from God, no matter how how uh, you might say my devotional life, my life of the Spirit, my prayer life is so pathetic. Did you know that because of what Jesus did, he has cleansed our conscience? He has cleansed your, cleansed your conscience so that you may serve the living God. It says, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom, to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Did you know that because of what Jesus has done, you are set free from the sins committed under the first covenant? That means there is a free and open place. Maybe, maybe you had a deep walk with God, and, but, but it's been, you might call it, you know, pathetic for the last decade. I don't know. There is a free and open place for you to come and receive from God, once again, receive his empowerment, receive a deepening of his spirit, receive a touch from his spirit, and God hasn't brought you home yet because he still has something to impart to somebody else through you. Now, if that wasn't enough, I want us to go a little, a little further back in the, in the book of, of Hebrews. This is a passage about prayer in Hebrews chapter 4. This is what the author writes. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Some of you feel so weak. I can't can't do a season of prayer. I can't learn more about prayer. I can't sip even a little bit because I'm so weak. God, do you know how weak I am? Guess what? He is able to empathize. That means he's able to feel with you your weakness. And he's been tempted in every way. That means you can think of the worst sin you've ever been tempted into, the worst temptation you've ever had, whether you've given into it or not. Jesus was tempted in the same way. He felt it. He knows what you're feeling with, feeling, yet he did not sin. And then this is how that passage concludes in verse 16. Let us then do what? Approach. Approach. Prayer is approaching God. At its most basic fundamental level, prayer is approaching God. Approach God's throne. And guess what kind of throne it is? It's a throne of grace. It is a throne of grace. Some of us are afraid that if we go into his presence, we'll just be smashed by his anger and his wrath but it's a throne of grace. And guess with what kind of attitude we can approach this throne of grace? Boldness, confidence. You can approach his throne of grace with confidence. And then what's the result? It's so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to have an altar call. I'd like the worship team to come on up and all the 
people I've asked to come up and pray uh, includes elders and pastors. Uh, if you could come up right now, <clears throat> and we're going to have an altar call, and um, uh, in this altar call, we're, we're, we have a long time before service has ended, okay? Deliberately did a short message. Thank you, Pastor Andrew. Deliberately did a short message to give us time <clears throat> for... Uh, time for us to, to specifically ask God to approach his throne of grace, approach his throne of grace so that we might receive mercy and obtain help and find grace to help us in our hour of need. Um, so, yeah, uh, maybe group yourselves, uh, a couple more people on this side. Um, uh, and <clears throat> during this time, uh, anybody can come up. You, you might need an, a first-time touch of the Holy Spirit, a first-time empowerment of the Holy Spirit. doesn't matter what age you are. I was 18 years old when I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, you can be younger than that. You can be a small child and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, some of you need a, just a refreshing touch of some kind. Some of you need the Holy Spirit to just show you how to fan into flame this gift all over again. Some of you know it's time to start imparting that gift. You're, you were left here on earth to leave a legacy for others, and it's time to get busy with that. And you, you need someone to come alongside of you and pray. All right, so we've got clusters of people who are going to pray for you up here. Um, uh, we have no place to go for a good long while, um, uh, and we're going we're gonna to pray. So... Lord God, your life, your spirit is our breath. Your life, your spirit is our breath. Lord, oh God, you've called us to be your people and you've promised us the gift, this baptism of the Holy Spirit by which we might be your witnesses and we long to be your witnesses. So, Lord, I pray now that the power of the Holy Spirit would be with your people to overcome every barrier to the kingdom spreading, every barrier to the gospel being proclaimed. May the power of the Holy Spirit be with your people. May the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your people as we go from this place. We're going to keep... We're going to keep singing. We're going to keep praying for a little bit longer. Everyone's welcome to either either stay or, uh, and, and if you do have children you need to pick up, either ask, assign a trusted person to do that or um, go and do that and you can even come back for prayer. So. Are you uh, excited for this new season? Are you excited for something new? And ready for, for God to impart something new. I'm excited. I'm really excited that, that uh, and I'm excited that the younger parts of our congregation are, are excited to press into that. And excited to, to have this new season come to us. And so I hope that you go from here with expectation that these next four weeks as we move up toward May 
20th, the day of Pentecost, there's going to be an increasing, an increasing flow and increasing expectation and increasing opportunity for us to receive. We have opportunities all the time, but this is just kind of a special season we're setting apart, and we are excited to move in. I'm excited to move in. I'm excited for the leadership that some of the youngers are, are giving to this. So just be praying for yourself, but also for our church and for others that we would receive what God wants us to receive in this time, that the Holy Spirit would really fill us in a new way, and that we would experience Him, experience God in a new way. So let's, um, let's just open ourselves up to that. Or if you're not even open to that, say, you know, Lord, I'm willing to be opened up to that. I'm not so sure about this, but I'd, I'd be willing for you to open me up to this. I don't want any false stuff. I don't want to fake anything, but I'm willing for you to move my heart. And uh, I, I would be, so even if you're skeptical, you're not sure about this, I just move towards saying, Lord, I'm willing to be willing. If you'll make me willing. And um, so, so let's just anticipate and press into it. And this week as you're praying, ask God for, for, to give you more and to help you as you move into this season. I'm going to be praying that myself and for us together.